Something happened. When I was a child, I often tried, or every now and then I tried, to miss things, especially school. So I knew that if I didn't want to go to school, or even if I did, and uh, my throat was a little bit swollen, that I might get to stay home. Or if I had a little bit of temperature, I might get to stay home. So sometimes if, if I didn't want to go to school, and I hate, I hate to give anybody any ideas, but, but sometimes if I didn't want to go to school, um, I would ask my mom to take a look at my throat. Because, you know, unless your mom's a doctor, and some of you can't take advantage of this, how often does a mother look at a throat when it's not swollen? How do they really know the difference? What are they really looking for? So I would ask my mom to take a look at my throat and she would shine a light in there and she would say, well, it does look a little bit red and I might get to stay home. Or she might want to take my temperature first and, and I would be sitting on the couch with a thermometer under my tongue or under my arm and she might leave the room for a moment and there's a nicely lit lamp right there. And I might stick the thermometer up by the lamp for just a moment and she'd walk in later and look at the thermometer and say, well, your forehead didn't feel 137 degrees a minute ago. <laughs> but maybe we should watch a little bit of TV and stay home today. I also had my ways of trying to get out of church, although I wouldn't, I wouldn't use the thermometer or the throat to do that often. I would just stay in bed a little bit longer. I might, I might stay in bed and keep my eyes closed, hoping that maybe the, 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 the not coming downstairs, or maybe if they came up and they saw me in bed and still asleep, they would just think, well, we don't want to wake him up. Maybe we should just stay in today. I'm not sure why I kept trying that because I can't remember a time it worked. But it did. It did it. My mom would, Sunday after Sunday, continue to be diligent, and her diligence almost always won out. I was involved. I grew up in the community of faith. They made sure I showed up, and I was growing up in that space. And, and even though often I wanted to miss, eventually something happened, and I found that I didn't want to miss anymore. Because there was this overwhelming feeling within me that if I missed, I might miss out. And that's because something happened. I was at a youth retreat when I was 17 years old, and I had this encounter with God, this overwhelmingly rare encounter that changed my life. I didn't intend to go on the retreat but the days leading up to it, I began to have this sense that I was supposed to go, that God wanted me to go. And in the midst of the retreat, I found myself wrestling with God and wrestling with Scripture with my, my friends and, and, and wrestling alone in my room as I went to bed at night. And God got my attention in a rare way. And I had an experience that changed my life. Now, I used to attribute that only to that weekend, only to that moment, only to that retreat, but I realized over time that it wasn't just that moment. 
But it was all the moments leading up to that moment. It was all the showing up before that moment. Because if, if, if you show up, it doesn't mean that you... It doesn't mean that you will have an encounter with God. It doesn't mean that something special will happen, but if you don't show up, it absolutely will not, at least most of the time. So I, I found myself beginning to lean in more, beginning to long more, to look more for those encounters, to show up more for those encounters. And I began to experience them more. Many of them happen in community where two or more are gathered. But that longing also caused me to visit the Scriptures more often than I ever had before. Reading them on a daily basis and finding God in a special way speaking to me and encountering me through them. You know, Baptists are sometimes uncomfortable with the idea of icons. You know, some, some religious traditions, some Christians use icons. And icons might be something as simple as looking at the, the, the depictions of Scripture in the middle of these stained glass windows and utilizing that for worship. But, but I don't know about you, but in, in different settings that I've been in with, with Baptist Christians and others, there is this worry that utilizing icons in worship can cross over into idolatry, that an icon is an idol. And that, that can certainly happen and has, has certainly happened, but, but the real idea behind icons, which really came to be in a time when many people couldn't read, is that the incarnation somehow would be depicted through this image, and as long as your worship was not focused on the image but through the image, somehow the icon would bring your attention and intention into focus so that maybe it might help mediate a special experience between you and God in worship. You know those, those uh, pictures that you can look at and they just look like a block of nothing? And often, supposedly, when you stare at them long enough, something will come into focus? This has never happened for me. I, I can't make it work. But some of you have made this work. And it actually, it's, people tell me it's something about, in the same way, looking through them. And then somehow you stare long enough and you look through them, and, and, and all of a sudden something that you didn't see before comes into focus. And that's in many ways what an icon is supposed to help happen. Things that are already there begin to come into focus. The God who is already there begins to come into focus in a particular way. And for me, this is the experience that I began to have with Scripture. That Scripture had an iconic nature to it. Sure, we can, we can of course learn from Scripture and learn about Scripture and receive guidance through Scripture. We can approach Scripture for information, but we can also encounter Scripture in a way that brings about transformation. We can choose when we give our attention to Scripture, longing for God in it and through it. Sometimes Scripture in that way can mediate an encounter that is unlike anything we've ever experienced before. When we choose up to show up for God with Scripture like this, something often happens. And this is actually what we see happening 
in the story from Nehemiah that we heard Kristen read for us a moment ago. The people asked the priest Ezra to publicly read the scriptures in what seems to have been a kind of public worship service where, where almost everyone was invited, which wasn't normal. Often when they would have services like this, then it would be only the priests gathering in a particular place, or it might be only the men. But what we see in this story is that men and women and everyone who could kind of understand what was going on, so the children too, in many cases, were gathered in this place for worship. And it looks like from the larger context that there were about 40 or 50,000 people there for this worship service that involves Scripture being read over them for about six hours. And if you can believe it, they asked for this. They were longing for this. They showed up for this because this is something that they, they wanted. They gave their devout and their undivided attention to this. And because they did, something powerful happened. Something came into focus that they couldn't see before. And we know this is true. We gather this is true because the priest had to stop reading at points to ask them to stop weeping. We see this in the story. Not because there's anything wrong with weeping or getting emotional or, or grieving or having those kinds of feelings. That's part of being human. But because in this moment in particular, the priests wanted them to lean in and embrace the joy of what was happening in that encounter. The joy of the Lord will be your strength, the priest said. And I kind of have to wonder if this was one of those do not be afraid kinds of moments, you know. Often in Scripture, when someone encounters God or an angel, there's, there's trembling, right? There's fear. And there's almost always this response, this instruction, do not be afraid. It's okay. Enjoy the moment. You're not in trouble. Find strength in it. And perhaps this is what the priest is encouraging. But regardless, the people are getting emotional. Because something is happening, something is happening among them corporately, and something is happening to them personally, within them and to them. They're experiencing a moment in worship, an encounter with God, where God's presence is being mediated in a special and particular way. This is a movement of God. A divine and holy encounter that was marvelous and unmistakable. Why? What might we gather from this? Is there anything we might learn from this so that we might experience this kind of thing more often in our own lives? Is there anything happening before this moment that might have led to the moment and beyond just the moment that created the power in that moment? I think so. I think so. Simple things, really, that often don't seem quite simple for us. And they were this. These are some things that I noticed. One, they showed up. They showed up. If you don't show up for things, you will most assuredly miss out on them. Pure and simple. If you don't show up for the concert, if you don't show up for the dance, if you don't show up for the family reunion, you will miss out on what happens in that place. And that's actually something that many of us have been struggling with over the last couple of years, right? We haven't been able to show up often with those whom we love. And, and, and we've done that out of love. 
We've done that for good reasons. And so the not showing up has been right in a situational way, but it's also been wrong and kind of a, a foundational, this is who we are as human beings kind of way. Because we were created to live and flourish with community in relationship with others. They showed up. If you show up, you don't miss out. These people showed up. Why? Well, they showed up, we know, because they wanted to. Because they asked for it. Because they, they longed for it. Why were they longing for it? And why did it hit them so hard when they did show up? Well, one of the reasons might be because it was so novel. You know, sometimes when things are novel, they seem more special. They mean more. Sometimes when you don't get to do something very often, it seems to mean more. We kind of experienced this when we showed up on that first Sunday to worship together again last June. There was something kind of novel and special, something we've been longing for about it. Sometimes when things are novel, they're more special. When I was a kid, we didn't get to go out to eat at restaurants very often. And so going out to eat at a restaurant was pretty novel. So when we went out to eat at a restaurant, it didn't matter what it was, if it was McDonald's or a favorite Mexican food restaurant, it was pretty special. So I longed to go out to eat, and then when I got old enough to have enough money and, and transportation to, to go out when I wanted to, I went out to eat more often because I loved it so much. It was special. When I was a kid, we didn't go to the movies very often. There was something about going to the movies that was novel, it was special. And so as soon as I got my driver's license and I could go, even though my parents told me I wasn't supposed to leave town in my car without telling them, I saw Tombstone at the theater for four times, about 30 minutes away. It was special. Sometimes when things are novel, they're more special. I used to love going to friends' houses who had a VCR because I couldn't watch movies at home. It was so novel, it was special. Gathering for worship in this way for these people was novel. It was special. It was kind of a big deal. Kind of a big deal. So maybe that had something to do with the experience and the attention that they brought to it. Maybe that's how, why it affected them like it did. The Scripture tells us they listened intently and attentively. That they experienced something perhaps because they were looking for it. We can so often be distracted from these kinds of things. If you, if you own a smartphone or a computer, well, you're probably distracted a lot. But if you own a, a smartphone or, or a computer, you may have at, at some point watched that video, I don't know, it's been around for a while, where there are all, all these women and some of them are dressed in white and some of them are dressed in black and they're passing a basketball back and forth. Have you seen this? And, and when they're passing the basketball back and forth, this voiceover comes on instructing people who are watching. And, it's, and you can do this at home, or they actually did an actual test about this where they got people together and they watched the video. And, and they asked them, when they're watching the video, to count how many times the women who are wearing white passed the basketball back and forth. It was an exercise in attention, in paying attention. So people were very careful. They were watching very carefully to see how many times the basketball got passed back and forth between the two people. They were counting. They were ready to answer. And what was really strange and surprising about the answer is how many people didn't notice that while the basketball was being passed back and forth, there was a guy that came out in a gorilla suit beating his chest behind the women who were passing the basketball before they exited stage left. I missed it the first time too. Maybe you did when you saw it. 
It's called inintentional blindness or the spotlight effect. The gorilla didn't register because it was outside the spotlight of the viewer's attention. I, I wonder how often we miss God, not because God is not present, but because God is outside the spotlight of our attention. These people were giving their attention to Scripture because they were giving their attention to God and they wanted to experience God through it for six hours straight. And maybe that also has something to do with the encounter. They showed up, they were attentive, and they persevered. You and I might go a whole week, maybe a whole month, maybe even a whole year without reading a chapter of Scripture in order to encounter the living God through it. But we will personally, over the course of a week, spend six hours binging our favorite television show. By the way, in many ways, what we binge is what we become. We saturate our minds with it. When we saturate our minds with something, when we immerse ourselves in... Um, any kind of screen time or video games or music or even school or magazines or relationships, whatever we're immersing our lives in, that is what is forming us. We are always being spiritually formed. The question is only what is forming us? What's forming us? These people were hungry to be formed by Scripture. So they showed up and they binged it whenever possible. And they did. And because they did, something happened. And I imagine what happened felt deeply personal. It happened in community with a lot of people. So there was a, a corporate sense of worship. But I imagine it was also deeply personal that they felt it deep within their bones. You may remember that story of the woman in the village in Africa who became a Christian. And after she did, she would carry her Bible around with her everywhere. And some of the people in the village, whether they were Christian or not, started making fun of her. And they, would, they, would, they would just make, there she goes again carrying that Bible. And they would say to her, why the Bible? Why is, it, why is it always the Bible? Aren't there so many other books you could be reading? And she would respond, yes, there are so many other books that I could be reading. But there's only one book that can read me. And that's what's happening here. And that's what can happen here. The 20th century theologian Karl Barth used to say that Scripture, the Word of God, becomes the Word of God in a special, powerful, and personal way when it is proclaimed in the preaching moment in community. That the Spirit does something to the Word in that moment. In Nehemiah, we're told that the Scripture was not only read, but that they were given the sense of it that it was interpreted, that it was proclaimed, that something happened in that moment that was deeply personal, so much so that it moved them to tears. Why? Perhaps because God made what was being read through the power of the Spirit personal in a powerful way. Consider the context. Nehemiah was written uh, about a time when the people of God were returning from exile. So these people have been in exile, many of them in a foreign land for about 70 years, living in a strange land with strange people. Some of the people hadn't been in exile, but they'd been living in that land while everything that they knew and loved had been torn down and torn away, practices and buildings and things like that, while they lived under the guidance of enemy oppressors. But now, they've had the chance to come back. 
And the king has given Nehemiah the opportunity to rebuild the city and the way they live and worship within it. This was in so many ways a long-awaited homecoming. And I imagine in many ways it didn't feel quite real yet. Was it real? So, so we don't know the actual text over the course of those six hours that Ezra was reading to them. But as I thought about this, because the text probably had something to do with the experience and how the Spirit impacted them personally through it, I wondered, since they were reading from the Pentateuch, maybe they started in the beginning. And I wonder if they were sitting there as they returned from exile, listening to them tell a story about the beginning when the first human beings, because of their rebellion, were cast out into exile from their home, leaving and wondering if they would ever be able to come back again. I wondered if in the midst of those six hours, they might have been reading the story of the Exodus, where their foremothers and forefathers were living in exile and slavery in Egypt for over 400 years, crying out to God for deliverance. They were finally heard and delivered from their oppressors and had the opportunity to return home. I wonder if they heard stories like that. And I wonder if through those stories they heard the voice of the Holy One, the one who had been with them in their past, speaking to them in their present, pulling them into the future. I wonder if they felt the presence of God in that moment through those words as the Spirit made the words personal and powerful. And I wonder, do we? In our exile? In our chaos? In the struggle and chaos of these uncertain days when so much that is abnormal has become our normal? Are there stories in Scripture that God might use by the power of God's Spirit to speak to us if we're willing to show up with attention and longing and ask for it and then wait for it to happen? To notice it when it comes. Are you in a place where you are longing, where you are needing God to speak to you in a personal and powerful way through Scripture? I wonder. Connie and Kim have offered us this program this year in various ways to engage it called Read It Through in 22. It's an invitation with specific ways you can talk to them about plans to read the Bible all the way through in the year 2022. Maybe this is a New Year's resolution. Maybe if God is speaking to you now through this story, that this is the way you could start to respond to it. Maybe if you show up longing for it, God will use worship and Bible study throughout the course of this year to read you. It could happen. Something could happen. And maybe it's already happening. You know, in the early church and even today in churches around our world, worship is crafted, and the core of it really is what's known as the liturgy of the word and the liturgy of the table. So worship is really centered around two acts of worship, the reading and interpretation of scripture and the experience of what happens at the table, scripture and communion. And you know, there are um, many Christians around the world who actually believes that at this table, when we gather to receive these elements, something happens. Some people believe there's a transformation of the nature of these elements, and, and some people actually believe 
at least that through faith, when we gather together in community and worship, um, that the Spirit and the power of God is present in a special way. That sometimes when we read Scripture with a kind of attention and longing and faith, it reads us and also that sometimes when we approach the table with faith and longing and intention and attention, the communion that we have come to receive actually receives us. That could happen in this day and in this moment. Holy God, we pray that you would bless this bread and this cup even now as we receive it. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We can imagine ourselves at the table with the disciples on the night Jesus was handed over to suffering and death. When he took the bread and he broke it and he said, Friends, this is my body which is broken for you. Take Eat and do this in remembrance of me. Friends, this is the body of Christ broken for you. We can imagine ourselves on that night at that table sitting with Jesus and his friends as he looked out into our eyes and said, Friends, this is the blood, my blood, of the new covenant, which is poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Drink from it as often as you do in remembrance of me. Friends, this is the blood of Christ for you. And now let's see if we remember this. May the peace of the Lord be always with you. In Christ's peace, and in Christ's presence now, we continue to worship.